Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. I do want to review a little bit this morning before we open our Bibles. Uh, Pastor has been giving us a wonderful word on the word that God has given him that we're going to pray more in 24. Prayer is not a boring thing. Prayer is a weapon. It is not your last resort. Prayer is a weapon. And last week, um, Pastor had given us an acronym, and it was START. And he had told us um, that there was a study, or there were some statistics that he had read that I found really interesting. You know, it showed that more women pray a little bit more than men, which I find, okay, men, you have a... Such a great position in the body of Christ. God has called you. We need godly, strong, bold men to rise up in our community. And that's why the enemy fights it so hard. I mean, we look at the family unit. If the enemy knows that if he can hit the head, the body will fall. And so that was one thing of the study. And then it showed that the average time spent in prayer was seven minutes. I thought that was interesting. I thought, what can I do in a day that's longer than seven minutes? I can unload my dishwasher, wash my dishes, um, put them back in. That's more than seven minutes. And I don't give God even more time than I load my dishwasher and wash my dishes. And I thought about, you know, I look at the news or I scroll social media. That's more than seven minutes. And so it really impacted me when he said that. Seven minutes is the average time that we go before our Creator to get insight on our daily life. You say, Lord, I need wisdom. I need wisdom. I need answers for the situation I'm going through. But we don't give Him more than seven minutes. That's on average. But I thought that was interesting, something to think about. Also, Jesus, He gave us an example of prayer. I do want to Um, If you have your Bibles, you can open to this. It'll be on the screen. This is Jesus' example for us to follow. And it's the Lord's Prayer. And it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it says, In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven. So we come before God, acknowledging who He is. Hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's us submitting to God, saying, I need more of your presence than my own desires in my life. It says, give us this day our daily bread, providing our needs, meeting our needs, and forgive us our debtors as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this is an example that Jesus gave to us. And it goes right along with the acronym that pastor gave us, which is START. And so I just want to review that. So with START, the letter S was silence. We come before the Lord in silence. We are to be still and to know that he is God. He is more powerful than us. He has the right answers when we're seeking wisdom. The T was thanksgiving, where we get into a habit of just coming before God silently, listening for his voice, 
loving him and thanking him for the things that he's done in our life, thanking him for who he is, that he sent his son Jesus for us. The A is adoration. We're worshiping him. And then we go into our request. Then we lay those requests before the Father. And the last T in start was to thank him in advance. Why do we thank him in advance? Because we believe that once he has heard our request and we release our faith, that it's done. When Jesus said, Amen, it was finished. And the same with us. And what wonderful thing that Jesus gave us an example to pray. And then as he gave his life for us, he gave us the power for prayer. He gave us his name, that in the name of Jesus, we have tapped into this power of where we can go before God our Father with our requests. And so let's um, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 in the New Living Translation. We've also been reviewing how uh, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. We have to believe that when we step foot out the door every day that God is with us. God is in us, Emmanuel. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. We are new creations because of Jesus. We have a new nature. We do not have to respond to opposition and pressure the old way. So once we accept Jesus into our heart and pressure and opposition come, because just because you give your life to God does not mean that you're never going to have tribulations in your life. There are people that, are, that will say things like, well, why should I believe in Jesus if I'm still going to have problems? Well, you're going to have problems either way, and I sure want to walk through those problems with someone stronger than me. So I have a power within me that when I go through those trials and tribulations, I know I'm coming out of it. I have tapped into that power. And so that is your new nature. So when opposition and pressure come, you don't have to respond in the old way that you would respond. You can respond in a new way with real power. This power that's spoken about here is resurrection power. That resurrection power is the power that brings dead into life. It brings impossible situations into possible situations. That's the power in Jesus. And so let's take a look at Romans 8.11. Romans 8.11 says that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Emmanuel, God with us, God in us. You can put that back up there. We're going to keep reading. No, it's okay. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. What I'm doing right now is just getting your mind to be renewed that there is the spirit of God living in you. 
to get you to realize there's resurrection power in you. When you leave a church building, you don't necessarily have to have your pastor do all of your praying. That's what pastor was saying up here. Corporate prayer is wonderful. We should have corporate prayer. But you need to learn how to pray for yourself. You need to know how to pray for your family. If you're a parent and your child becomes sick, you need to be able to pray for that child. It's great to call your pastor, but you can pray because the Spirit of God is in you. The Spirit of God is with you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead resurrection power is living in your mortal body. I want you to have that understanding. When you have sickness or disease in your body, when you have pain in your body, you can tap into that power to say, in the name of Jesus, this pain has to leave. Jesus said, I'm going away. I'm not going to be with you much longer. But I'm going to send someone who will be an advocate. I'm going to send someone who's going to be within you. I'm not leaving you an orphan. I am going to send the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, my spirit to live and reside within you. That is the gift he's given us. He's given us power. And we have to operate in that. When we hear darkness rising and evil on the scene. We have to know we have light in us. No matter what is going to happen, we know the end of the story. We have power and we have to believe that. So we're talking here about eternal life, true life in all areas of our life. And Jesus came that we may have and enjoy life. Um, I find it interesting and I I reflect on my own self as well because none of us is perfect. And I hear things about people saying that they walk away from Christianity because they were hurt. You know, I was hurt by the pastor. I was hurt by this person. I was hurt because they said they were a Christian and they did this to me. And one time I heard something that really has stuck with me for years. You cannot judge Christianity Christianity is supposed to be a relationship with Christ. You can't judge Christianity based on the the character of a person, of a Christian. You base Christianity on the character of Christ. Christ is the only perfect one. When you come into a church or a corporate meeting, you may not like the person that's speaking. But that's okay. You use discernment. Yeah, you want to make sure that they're speaking in line with the Word of God. But you're there to receive from God Almighty. It's not the vessel or the shell that's delivering it. It is the message. It's the power in the name of Jesus. And so, this will not be up on the screen, but John 10.10 talks about how the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it in abundance, and we must enjoy life. And so I was asking myself these questions um, this week, and I'm going to ask you of how many of us are truly, right now in this season of life, how many of us are truly enjoying life? You don't have to answer that out loud. Some of you may be like, yes, I'm in the, a great time of my life. Other people may not answer that they're really enjoying life. But Jesus said that we can enjoy life. So if Jesus said that we can enjoy life, but I'm not enjoying life, I'm dreading getting up in the morning, 
and taking care of all the responsibilities I have, just to go through my day, to go to sleep and wake up the next day, living a dead life, that's not tapping into the power in the name of Jesus. We all go through hard times and hard things that we have to deal with, but Jesus is saying, I've come to give you life, abundant life, to enjoy this life. So we have to guard against that when the enemy comes against us to try to steal that joy um, in our heart. We have to really guard against that. And one of the ways that we guard against that is through prayer and prayer in the name of Jesus. And so that's why in 2024, pastor has been saying we're going to pray more in 2024. We're going to guard ourselves for the things that are coming this year. God knows what's coming this year. We may not, but we can be on the offense instead of the defense. We're on the offense when we have prayed and spent time with God and we're prepared. So let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 20. In the book of Hebrews, this is where we are introduced to Jesus in a different role. In this book of the Bible, we begin to encounter Jesus as our high priest. It says Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So in the Old Testament, when... The people wanted to come before God and present their prayers or their sacrifices. They had a person that would go before them. That was the high priest. I will be transparent. I don't know if this is actually true or not, but I have heard this all my life of this story, of that when a high priest was to go into the presence of God, they didn't know. I mean, he's a man. They don't know if he's got sin in him or not. So they would tie bales upon him and have a string and... He would go into the presence of God to do the sacrifice. And it was said that if they didn't hear the sound anymore, he may have not found favor in God's sight, that he would drop dead, and they would pull the rope, they would pull him out. So that was a man, a flesh high priest. Thank God, God in his mercy and in his grace, he said, I'm going to send someone who's perfect and who's blameless. And he sent us Jesus, our high priest. And I have also had people argue with me, like, well, why, if God is so loving, that is harsh. I mean, it sounds pretty harsh. I'm going in to pray before God Almighty, and I drop dead. We have to remember the things that happen on this earth, God did not intend for it all to be like that. God did not intend for there to be famines and homelessness. He didn't intend for people to have to come into his presence with the fear that if sin was on them, it would consume, consume them. In the Garden of Eden, he said that he walked freely with Adam and Eve. He would fellowship with them. We live in a fallen world. We have to not forget that there is an enemy that when sin came into this earth, it twisted and warped things. And so... That's not how God intended it. But God said, you know what? In my grace and in my mercy and in my love, I'm going to turn this around. And I'm going to give my only son, 
that blameless lamb to be the high priest. So when his blood comes before me, it's perfect and it's eternal. And so we're not going to have to keep making sacrifices. Now my people have a way to come back to me and they can come boldly to the throne of grace. They don't have to come as a coward and fearful and saying, I hope he hears me. No, that is why when we approach God, we don't approach him in of ourselves. We approach him with the blood of Jesus. I am here before you, Father, because of your son's blood. And in the name of Jesus, I make these requests to you. That is the role of the high priest. And so in Hebrews 4, verse 14, I want to look first at the New King James Version, and then we'll look at a different version. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. I wanted to look up what confession meant, and it is an act or statement of admitting or acknowledging something that is true or proven. So a lot of times we think of confession as something negative. I'm confessing my sins. But confession is not always negative. Confession is a statement of admitting and acknowledging something that is true or proven. When you get married, you confess your love for the other person. So that's not negative, that's positive. The same thing when you take the word of God and a scripture, a promise, and you confess it over your life, you are declaring something true and proven. There has been a lot of, um, I kind of feel like backlash, kind of a little bit of opposition of people that say, well, that's kind of that name it, claim it group. They're just confessing whatever they want. But when it's the word of God, when you are bringing forth a scripture from the word and you're confessing it over your life, you are saying this is true, this is proven, and it is coming to pass in my life in Jesus' name. We're not just making things up. We're not just pulling things out of the air. We're opening our Bible and we're saying, what does God say about my situation? And that is a confession. So now let's take a look at that same verse. We're going to look at it in the New Living Translation. It says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. So that is what confession is. It is something that you believe. It's something that you are saying and you believe. So I want you this week, I'm going to give you some homework. Last week, Pastor gave you a little... um, charge of let's sit before God more than seven minutes. And if you didn't do that this week, do it again. Just start over. But this week, I want to give you some homework. And it's really easy because you're with yourself 24-7. I just want you to listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. And this is a conviction of me as well. Just listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. What are you saying? Because what you are saying is what you truly believe. That is your confession. And I, it's scriptural right there. I want you to remember that. We have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. So this week, if you hear things that you're like, why am I saying that? I don't really believe that. Why am I confessing that? Why every time I get under pressure, I say that? 
then that means you need to go back and you need to put more of the Word of God in your heart. You need to go back to if it's something about your health and healing, if it's something about confidence and boldness, if it's something about a relationship or an unsaved loved one, go back to those verses in the Bible, put them into your heart until finally, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak a truth, a true word. That will be your confession. So that's your homework this week. And... I want you also this week to, when you're saying the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus is not a cliche. It's not just something we say at the end of our prayers, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. No, it's in the name of Jesus that there's power. Then the name of Jesus is what gives your prayer results. Because if you pray for something, you're asking for something in my name or in somebody else's name. There are no results in that. But in the name of Jesus, your high priest, there are results. And do not let time be an enemy. Do not get distracted and put your eyes on the calendar or the clock of where, well, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. You continue to believe. So whatever you feel like God is calling you to believe, and you find that verse in the Bible, and you stand on it, and you pray, and you release it in the name of Jesus, be determined to stand forever. Stand on that word. The word of God will not fail. I could go around this room and ask each and every one of you of a time where you stood on the word of God and God came through. It may not have been the next day. It could have been years, but God came through. When God said years ago, 14 years ago, you're going to have a child. And he was specific. He said, you are going to have a daughter. And that moment, I had so many doctor reports saying, you are not going to have children. You're not. But I know what I heard. It wasn't just me making it up. The Lord said to me, you are going to have a child you're going to have a daughter. And he even gave me the name because it was not a name that I would have ever really picked. But he gave me the name. Five years later, the weekend of Mother's Day, I found out that I was going to give birth to a daughter named Rachel Lynn. It was five years. Do you not think that time tried to creep in and be an enemy to me month after month after month? So finally, I, I did something. I encourage you to do what God leads you to do when you're in that moment of waiting. I thought, okay, God, I have a need. I'm going to sow a seed. And in this instance, it wasn't money. Every pregnant woman I met, I said, I will give you a baby shower. Let me host a baby shower. Let me get you, a, I'll buy you presents. I was determined to sow my seed because I said, because one day it's going to be my baby shower because I'm going to have this child that God has said I'm going to have. The same thing, it can be healing. Um, I could tell you stories after stories of things of 
where God has came through and said this, where the doctor said this, nothing against doctors. Go to the doctor, get the report, because then you can take the word of God that's truth and you can apply to it and change it. Remember, this is resurrection life. This is resurrection life that you speak to a dead situation. You speak to an impossible situation. God provided for us when we were first married, Josh and I were so poor. Oh, my goodness, we were so poor. And I remember thinking, how, God, you have provided us this child now. How in the world are we going to provide for this child? We did not have money for diapers, anything. And we were working. We were hard workers. We always tithed. I said, I don't care what it is. We are going to tithe and give honor to God. And when we got married, we stood on the verse that um, if we would give to the Lord I'm trying to think of it right now, that all of these things would be given back unto you. And so I said, God, we're going to do it. We're going to tithe. If we don't have food to eat, you said you would provide. So I'm going to test you in this. This is the only area in the Word of God he said you can test him. So it was, I can't remember if it was before Rachel was born or after she was born, right after. Um, There was a lady at our church who was like, I did kind of a silly thing. I just entered your name into this like diaper giveaway. And I was like, okay, well, thank you. And then we found out we won. And we won like a year of diapers. And to some people that might not be a lot, but that's a lot. That's a lot when you're like, I'm believing for God to put food on my table. And I'm going to tell you through the years as we continued to tithe and give, God just continued to advance us, and to bless us. And it's not about the money. Money is not evil. Money is not good. It is a tool. Okay, so it's the heart behind it. Because you can take somebody that has a heart for God who is poor in the world's eyes, and God bless them, and they have a heart for God, they're going to be the same person if they have a million dollars, a billion dollars in the bank. You take somebody who's greedy and who is just does not have a heart for God that's poor in the world's eyes, and you give them a million, billion dollars, they're going to be that same person, and they're going to be greedy. They're not going to want to help people. They're going to use that money to possibly even kill themselves with making decisions that's not wise. So money is not evil. It is the love of money that is. And so... With this, I want you guys to remember that Jesus is not a cliche. So when you're praying this week and you say, in the name of Jesus, really believe it's the final authority. It's the final authority. And you can stand forever. Because if you're willing to stand forever, it's not going to take that long. He's going to show up. He's not going to fail you. Let's take a look at Romans 14, 11. This verse is so wonderful because it reminds us that Jesus is the name above every name. It says, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. There is power in that name. That name is above every name. And everything that is named, such as sickness, disease, poverty, it has to bow at the name of Jesus. So I I take a look at my life and I think about things 
when I'm in a situation, and I think it has a name, I can pray in the name of Jesus and believe that it has to submit to the name of Jesus. So diabetes, diabetes has to bow at the name of Jesus. Pneumonia, viruses, bacteria, it has to bow at the name of Jesus. Poverty, depression, anxiety, it has to bow at the name of Jesus. We have to believe that when we are praying more in 2024, that we are going to see results because we understand the power that is in the name of Jesus. So I want to take a look at two accounts in the Bible of people who heard about Jesus, released their faith, and got results. So Mark 5, we're going to start at verse 24, and this is about the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. She heard the good news about Jesus. Do you see why it is so important to share the word of God with people? You've got to share the news so that they can hear. When you guys go to school, the young ones, when you're at school, when you're at work, share the good news of Jesus. So this woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, she heard the good news about Jesus and her faith in Jesus made her well. Let's start right here and we're going to read all the way to 29. It says, so Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman with a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians, she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. It's okay. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. First she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Let's look at verse 29. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. Immediately, immediately. The blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was well. Her affliction was gone immediately when she touched Jesus. So what do we see? Here she had a report that the doctors had done everything for her, but she still wasn't better. She spent all her money. She still wasn't better. She was growing worse. She was desperate. She was desperate. She knew if she stepped foot out of her house in that custom in that culture she could be put to death she was unclean but she heard the good news of Jesus and she said if I can just touch him he doesn't even have to say anything to me I believe that he has so much power in him if I just touch him I'm gonna be made well and she went out of that house she went out into that custom into that village and said if I have to die I'm gonna die anyway I'm gonna touch that power. And she touched him and it said immediately she was healed. And people were touching him, were all around him. And immediately he had stopped. And he said, who touched me? Somebody tapped into the power. That's how I want God to say to me. I want him to say, she touched me. She tapped into my power today. We also want to take a look at Mark 2, 1 through 12. This one is where an encounter with Jesus brought about forgiveness, brought about freedom, brought about healing. We're going to read all the way from 1 to 12. And it says, And again he, Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days. 
And it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus among themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to this paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. This passage right here shows a beautiful example of not just healing, but forgiveness and deliverance. We don't know how this man was paralyzed. You know, he could have done something that, to some people, he deserved it. We don't know the backstory of that. But Jesus looked at their faith, and he said, you're forgiven. And isn't it interesting? I just really, like, these are true stories. Put yourself in these shoes that it was so crowded. People are wanting to hear Jesus. The door, it's packed. It's packed. The door you can't get in. But they said, we've got to get to Jesus. If we get mobbed by this crowd, if we get um, sent away, we're going to get before Jesus. They literally took the roof off and lowered him right before Jesus. And Jesus did not correct them or reprimand them. He said, your sins are forgiven. Arise and walk. And that is what I want you this week as I prepare to close. I just want you, as you sit before God silently, and you're thanking Him, and you're giving Him adoration, and you're presenting your request to Him and thanking Him in advance, I want you to realize that you can thank Him in advance because of the name of Jesus. Because there's power in that name. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.